0: Hi, my name is Rhett Barton, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. All right, good morning, One Life Church. It is so good to see you here today. Are you guys excited to be at church this morning? Well, if you're just now joining us, I want to introduce myself. My name is Rhett, and I have the honor and the privilege of being the lead pastor here at One Life Church. And it is a joy of my life to serve you alongside our amazing dream team here at One Life Church. And hey, before we jump into the message today, can I do something we do every week? And that is I want to welcome our online church family. Come on, church, throw your hands together and welcome those who are joining us online today. However you're joining us today online, we want to tell you how much we love you. You are our family, and we are sending you some air high fives and air fist bumps today. All right, you guys, we're closing out a two-part series that we are calling What's Next, But before we jump into it, I just would like to remind every single one of you that we are a note-taking church. What does that mean? It means we like to take notes. I would encourage you to take whatever smartphone, dumb phone, digital device maybe that you've walked in here today, pull that out, go to olc.church, swipe just one little quick swipe down, you'll see a a button that says message notes. If you'll click that button, you'll have the opportunity to follow along today and to take notes, and here's my desire. My desire was to never plan a church and just to inspire you on a Sunday where you leave feeling good and going okay pastorette, we're just going to wait another six days before we come back and you make me feel good again. Now there's nothing wrong with inspiration, I love that, I think it's a lot of fun and it has its place, but my job as a pastor is not only to inspire you, but it's to teach you, it's to give you the tools that you need in your tool belt of life, if you will, to face Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through Saturday. And what do notes give us the opportunity to do? It gives you the opportunity not only to take a note to follow along, but you can save it as a PDF. You can email it to yourself. You can email it to a family or friend. And when something happens in life, you're going to go, oh, wait, I remember taking a note on that. I've got that saved on my computer. You can go back, you can pull from that, draw from that, and be encouraged throughout your week and if notes are being a part of changing your life can I hear from all the message note takers this morning can I hear a good amen if you're enjoying the notes awesome so go ahead and get ready to follow along all right everybody say what's next what's next next? thank you for asking that question I'm about to tell you yo you guys when it comes to life there's usually a what's next think about it for a second many of you today after church what's going to be next it's gonna be lunch, isn't it? Some of y'all gonna drive down to Texas Roadhouse. And what's next? Woo! Some delicious, hot, buttery rolls with some cinnamon butter. Can I get an amen, somebody? Yes, Lord Jesus, you know this. What's next, man? I've got to throw down on me some salad or an appetizer of some sort. What's next? Then the entree. That eight-ounce Dallas filet, medium rare. Come on. If you like it cooked any more than medium, you need Jesus. I'm just saying. It's got to be a little bit bloody and mooey for me to eat it and enjoy it. Sorry about that. If I've offended you, come back next week. I'll offend you again, I promise. Okay. And so what's next after that? Well, dessert, baby. Come on, bring on the dessert. Am I the only one that likes dessert? I am there. Whether it's cheesecake from the Cheesecake Factory, come on. I am, some of you are like, Pastor say the prayer, say amen. Let's go. I'm ready to do this lunch thing. Right? But there's always going to be a what's next in life. We get that usually, right? I mean, like if you're a student, what's generally next? Well, college. And then college, what's usually next? Well, maybe a career. Or if you're in a relationship, maybe what's next? Maybe not always, but maybe it could be dating. And from dating, it can lead to marriage. And then once you're married, everybody wants to know what's next. <laughs> when you're having kids, because I want some grandkids, right? That's it. generally, usually what happens, no matter what you're facing in life, usually there's going to be a what's next and there's really nothing different when it comes to god and serving god but I, in fact what i could tell you is when it comes to serving god there is always a what's next There's always going to be a next step in your spiritual journey is the language we use here at One Life Church. And if you've never heard that, maybe you're here today and you're like, I'm not really buying that spiritual journey thing. Well, listen, whether you buy into it or not doesn't change the fact that you and I, my friend, we are on a spiritual journey. And God wants to take you on a next step in that journey. And my job as a pastor and our hope as a church is to help you understand where you are on that spiritual journey and what's next somebody say what's next? what's next what's next that's what we're answering today in fact I'd go so far to say is if you don't even understand where you are on the spiritual journey your life will never make sense until you know and I can tell you that because there are several scriptures that I could share with you in fact I'm going to share with you one today this just happens to be our theme verse for this series look at this Proverbs 29 verse 18. If people can't see what God is doing, time out, what is it saying? If people can't see that God has you on a spiritual journey, then what happens? We stumble all over ourselves. And But when we attend, I love this, but when we attend to what he reveals, in other words, when we not only discover that God has a spiritual journey for us, but we begin to take a next step, when we begin to ask the question, God, what's next, and we begin to walk in it, Well, look at the promise, everybody. Then they, we, you and I are what? We are most blessed. We are most blessed. And this is what this series is all about, you guys, is to help you see what God has done, what God is doing, and what God wants to do in your life, what's next. Why is this important? Well, we just read it, the last two words. Everybody say the last two words that are highlighted out loud. Because what? We want to be most blessed. Blessed. We want to live a blessed life in our marriage and our home and our family and our finances and everything that we find in life. We want to be blessed. And so last week, what did we discover? Last week, we discovered that there are four things that your spiritual journey consists of. We're just going to recap really quick. The first one is know God. God wants you to come into an intimate, personal, authentic, vibrant relationship with him through his son, Jesus. Notice I didn't say God wants you to fulfill a duty or an obligation or some kind of religious ritual. No, God wants to know you personally. And this is the first step for every single one of us in this room throughout life is to take this first step. God isn't interested in religion. God is interested in a relationship. And then as we begin this relationship with God, what's the next step? We talked about it last week. It's where now we come to find freedom. Everybody say freedom. 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 See, as you begin to walk with the Lord and begin to have a relationship with him, all of a sudden now he wants to take you on a process, and it is a process. He wants to take you on a journey to find healing from your hurt, to find healing from your past and all your past pain, so that you can see the significance of the future that God has for you. And he wants you to find freedom, which leads us to the third step, which is discovering our purpose. God wants you to understand that you were created on purpose for a purpose. Why? Because he knows that your design reveals your destiny. And this is our spiritual journey, everybody. We come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We find freedom from our past so we can see our future. In that process, we begin to discover the fact that we're designed in a specific way to do what? Ultimately, which is the fourth step in our journey, and that is to make a difference. It's to make a difference with our life. In fact, sociologists go on to say that there's no higher level of living than when your life is touching a soul of another human being. What are they saying? They're saying there's no greater, higher level of the living until you're on this spiritual journey with God, making a difference with your life. So here's the question Pastorette, why is all of this so important? Because you will never fully experience joy apart from your spiritual journey. You will never fully experience fulfillment apart from knowing God, finding freedom, discovering a purpose, and making a difference with your life. Well, Rhett, that's just your opinion. Okay, well, let me show you what Jesus said. Look at this, John 15, verse eight and 11. Guys, this is to my father's glory. What is? That you bear much fruit. What is he saying? That you make a difference with your life, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What does my disciples mean? What does that even look like? Well, my disciples basically means that, hey, you're doing life with me. You're in the family of God. You've come to know God through Jesus Christ. Now you're finding freedom, discovering your purpose, and you're making a difference with your life. That's what being a disciple of Christ means. In fact, not only are you experiencing it yourself, but now you're helping other people along that same journey of knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, and making a difference with your life. And so some of you are thinking, well, Pastor, what does this have to do with the joy you just mentioned? Well, look at the rest of the verse. Jesus Christ said this. Guys, I've told you this. Told you what? I'm telling you about your spiritual journey. Why? So that my joy. Everybody say my joy. So that Jesus Christ's joy may do what? May be in you. And not only that, but that your joy may be complete. So again, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is basically saying that your life, my life, all of our lives will never make complete sense until we're going along the journey of knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, making a difference with your life. And so today, my joy is to help your joy be made complete. My joy is to help you take a next step on your spiritual journey, and that is that you bear much fruit. In other words, that you make a difference with your life and so i know some of you today you're thinking well pastor red i mean i'm trying to make a difference in my life and i am being if i'm being completely honest with you i'm tired i'm frustrated i'm overwhelmed i don't understand because when i read the bible and i come along a passage like this look at philippians 2 13 if you're being honest you read this it says for god is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him and you're going how in the world can that even happen Pastorette, you're going, I can't relate to this verse. It's like, I love God. I love him with all my heart, but I honestly can't relate to the fact because I feel like I'm lacking the desire. I feel like I'm lacking the power to make a difference with my life. And I, here's the bottom line of why I even mentioned that today. The reason you feel that way, and I've been there too many times in my life, is because you're trying to do things in your own strength. In other words, you're trying to live out this Christianity, this life, making a difference out of religion, not out of relationship. You're doing it alone. And God himself never intended you to do life alone and doing it in your own strength. No, but my friends, God always intended you for you to receive power from on high through his son Jesus and the power of his Holy Spirit to make a difference with your life. So here's the question. How do, we, how do we receive the power of God to live out our lives making a difference? Well, that's what today is all about. We're going to answer that question, and I'm going to answer it with two words, and that is the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Now, two things tend to happen anytime I mention the word Holy Spirit in a church. The first thing is I tend to get pushback. And I get it. It's normal. Why? Because many of us in this room, we have misperceptions. Uh, We have misconceptions. Maybe they've been things we've seen on TV. Or maybe they've been things we've experienced in person. And what we've seen and what we've done is now we've associated things that aren't even biblical with the Holy Spirit. A lot of us give me pushback when it comes to the Holy Spirit because it's like, hey, we get God the Father. Whether or not you had a good father or a bad father, you can kind of relate to the fact that God... He could you know he could be a father many of us in this room we can relate to the fact okay i get that god the father would have a son yeah we've got movies about jesus right we see that that's constantly kind of there throughout our culture and the world but i don't know this third thing that the bible mentions and i've heard pastors speak on about the holy spirit not quite sure about that because i don't know about you but i grew up I wasn't saved when I grew up, and I watched crazy horror movies, and anytime time I saw a spirit or ghost, I was like, I don't want nothing to do with that. Am I the only one? And so oftentimes when you see a word like spirit or ghost, even if it's attached to the word holy, you're like, I don't want a spirit up in my life. I'm good. I'll just stick with the Father and the Son. I can make sense of that, but this whole Holy Spirit thing, not quite sure. And so what I want to do today is I want to bring clarity to you around even who the Holy Spirit is, the role he wants to play in your life, and how you can receive him and how he'll give you power to live out making a difference in your life. And so let me clarify one thing. It's not going to be on the screen. It's not even going to be on the notes. Um, But the word Holy Spirit, where does it come from? Well, you have to understand two things. Well, one thing, number one, is that the Bible, when it was written, it wasn't written in English, everybody. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, But the Old Testament, what is the Old Testament? Well, that was everything before Jesus showed up. Everything in the Old Testament was written in a a language called Hebrew. And then when Jesus showed up on the scene and everything after, uh, the Greeks at that time were really influencing culture, so everything that was written at that point uh, would be written in Greek. And so what is our New Testament written in? It's written in Greek. So in the Hebrew word and the Greek word, two different words, but they all mean the same thing. And guess what? They don't mean spirit. If you look it up, in the Hebrew, the word is ruach. You kind of have to spit on the end of it. Ruach. What does it mean? It means breath or wind of God or power of God. If you read the word Holy Spirit in the New Testament, the literal translation comes from the word pneuma. Pneuma means breath, wind, the breath of God or the power of God. And so you could only imagine for a moment the English translators, when they were trying to translate these words into English, they're going father, God. Okay, God is a father. Cool. Uh, God, the son, got that. God, the breath. Uh, God the wind. Um, How do we describe this word wind? How do we describe this word breath or this part of the power of God? How do we describe that in English? Well, what they did is they chose the most intangible word that they could choose that would hopefully translate well in our culture, and that is they chose an intangible word of spirit. That's where we get the word Holy Spirit. But what it really means is the holy breath of God, the holy wind of God. So here's a question. Have you ever tried to explain to someone that's never experienced wind? Have you ever tried to explain to them what wind is like? Think about that just for a second. Be like, hey man, let me tell you all about this wind. It's amazing. It does this. Wait, I know you've never experienced it. It, kinda, it makes everything kind of do this. And like, man, I'm having trouble here. Like, man, you just need to come outside and you need to experience the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. So how do you explain to somebody the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the wind of God that they never experienced? You can't teach it. It's almost like you do everything you can to describe it, but at the end of the day, it's like I need you to come along, and I just need you to experience who God is, the breath of God, the wind of God, and the power of God, and what he wants to do in your life. And so I understand, in our culture, Typically, I said there's two things that happen. Number one is we tend to get pushback. The second thing that typically happens is there's intrigue, right? There's intrigue because many of you may be in this room today or even joining us online, maybe you've never even heard who the Holy Spirit is. Maybe this is a first for you. And in fact, I just want you to understand that the pushback and the intrigue they were normal in Scripture. In fact, it's not only a problem that exists today, but it was a problem that existed in the Bible. And let me show this to you out of Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 2. And this was some 50 to 60 years after Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. And so we read the verse like this. It says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior, and he arrived at Ephesus. Now, time out. What is this basically saying? while Apollos, and that's not an Apollo mission with NASA, okay, this is a guy named Apollos, he loved Jesus, okay, and he basically, what it's saying is Apollos, who loved Jesus, went to a city called Corinth, and he preached the good news of Jesus Christ. Then it says, Paul, another person who loved Jesus, he was a church planner, he went took a road through the interior and he arrived at another city and that city just happens to be called Ephesus this is the setup here look at the rest of the verse it says Paul there he found some disciples in other words he found followers of Jesus Christ and he asked them this question he says hey guys after you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ look at this question did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed what is Paul saying He's saying, hey guys, did you take a next step in your spiritual journey of your relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ? Because here's the truth. If you have it, there's more for you, is what Paul's saying. But look at there, we're not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And therein lies the problem. Here we are 2,000 years later, and many of us still have this misunderstanding, misperception, misconception. Call it what you want. Many of us today still have never heard the truth about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And that is why this message is so important today. So here's what I need from you today. Would you please lay aside all preconceived ideas? Would you please lay aside anything that you may have heard or seen on TV or anything that may be a kind of a bad experience around the word Holy Spirit? Would you please allow me a blank page today? Because if you will, I would like to help you just simply take a next step. And I'm going to teach you from God's word today about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now time out for a second. If you've been coming to our church for any length of time, you know that I like to have a lot of fun. I like to have a lot of laughter. I like to preach and get excited and all that. And there's a time for that. But today, really, today's going to be a lot of teaching. I want to show you from God's Word what God's Word says about the Holy Spirit and more than that, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying, Pastor are you telling me there's more than just one baptism? I mean, I thought it was just all about water baptism. And the truth is, my friends, there are actually three baptisms that God wants you and I to experience along our spiritual journey of serving him. Now, before I share with you all three, I first need to clarify what the word baptism even means. So let's look at that. Baptism, what does it mean? It simply means to be immersed in. In other words, it doesn't just mean to submerge in water. It means to be fully submersed in. Let's look at this. Let me show you this in Uh, And actually the first baptism, let me show you this first. The very first baptism that every single one of us experience is this. Write this down if you're taking notes. And that is being baptized into the body of Christ. Being baptized into the body of Christ. What does that mean? In other words, if you're an extra note taker, you can write the word salvation. Or you can write the two words that I mentioned earlier on our spiritual journey. And that is coming to know God being baptized into the body of Christ is being immersed into a relationship with God through his son Jesus, but not only God, but being immersed into a relationship with his church. And let me show this to you. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. Guys, for we were all baptized, another, we were all immersed by one spirit, referring to Christ, into one body now by the way time out if you ever see the word body in the new testament it's referring to the body of christ what does that mean in other words it's referring to the capital c church that's you and i so what is he saying he's saying guys salvation being baptized in the body of christ is being immersed into a relationship with god and being immersed into a relationship with his church why is that important? Because you need to understand God not only wants to do life with you, but he wants you to do life with others. And this is important to understand. Let me show this to you in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26-27. through 27. You are all children of God, speaking to followers of Christ, through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were, here's the word, baptized into Christ. You are all immersed into an authentic, passionate, vibrant, intimate personal relationship with God. And so this is what we're saying. The very first step of your spiritual journey is all about being immersed into a relationship with God. So that is the first baptism. So let me mention the second baptism. Second baptism. And this is one you're more familiar with. In fact, I talked about it last week. And that is water baptism. Water baptism. In fact, I would encourage you, if you want to know more about water baptism, I'm not going to talk a lot in detail today about this, but go back and listen to the podcast of last week's message. But what I need you to understand today, and just a reminder, is that when it comes to water baptism, Jesus said this. Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go, and I need you to make disciples of all nations. What does he mean? He said, guys, I want you to go and help people know God. I want you to go and help people find freedom. I want you to go and help people discover why they're on this planet. And I want you to go and make a difference with your." Life. And when someone comes to know God, this is what I need you to do. I need you to help them take a next step. What is that next step? Baptizing them, referring to water baptism, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is what I need you to do. And so, the reason why I want to mention water baptism today, and I want to kind of talk about a little different topic on this, is I need you to understand that water baptism is a separate experience from salvation, It's separate from salvation, and the reason I need to mention that is because some of you in this room may have been taught that you will never be saved until you're water baptized, and I'm just going to say, if that were true, do you know what that would mean? It would mean that you would have to do a work to earn salvation, And I just need you to understand the truth of God's word in the gospel today. There is not one thing that you can do in your own strength to earn a right standing in relationship with God. It is paid for by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God. And it is a free gift that we can receive that we can't work for. It's already been done. There's nothing you can do. It was done through God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Our job is simply just to receive the free gift. Gift. Let me show this to you. Ephesians 2 8 through 9. As a reminder, God saved you by water baptism? No. By being nice? No. By doing good things? No. God saved you by what? His grace. His grace. His unmerited divine favor and free gift in your life. When you did what? When you simply believed. When you believed. Not when you were water baptized. No, 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 no. And you can't take credit for this. Why? Here it is. Because it is a gift. From God, Romans 6, 23, not on the screen. For salvation, eternal life is the free gift of God. Look at the rest of the verse. Salvation, my friends, is not a reward for the good things that we have done. Why? So that none of us can stand before God and go, Hey, I'm in heaven, not because of what you've done, but because I was nice and I got water baptized at One Life Church last week. It's basically what it's saying. So then nobody can boast. So what is water baptism? Again, it's just a simple next step in your spiritual journey. It is a public declaration of your faith. We call it the wedding band of Christianity. And my friends, last week, I want you to celebrate, we had six people go public with their faith last week in water baptism. Isn't that awesome? Come on, how cool is that? (laughs) So if you have yet to be water baptized... My friends, can I just encourage you the next time we do that, sign up, be water baptized. It is one of your next steps. So when it comes to your spiritual journey, I mentioned earlier there are three baptisms. Number one, there's the baptism into the body of Christ. That's salvation. The immersion into a relationship with God and his church. The second one is a public demonstration of our faith, which is water baptism. But here's the third one that many preachers and pastors tend to stay away from these days. But there's nothing that we we should be teaching this. And the third baptism is this. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. And some of you are thinking today, Pastor Ed, I'm a Christian, man. Haven't I already received the Holy Spirit when I believed at salvation? And the answer to that question is yes. You absolutely have received the Holy Spirit when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've received the Holy Spirit. But what I want to do today is I want to help distinguish the fact the Bible teaches us there is a difference between receiving the Holy Spirit and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so in order for me to do this, this is where we're going to be a little teachy today, I need to clarify and help lay a foundation with several verses. And I'm going to start today with John chapter 20, verse 19 through 22. And what I want to remind you before I read this verse is that after Christ died and he rose again to pay for our sin, the Bible actually teaches us that Jesus in his glorified body hung out on earth for 40 days showing himself to different people, glorifying God through it. And we see in John's account, look at this, John 19-22, it says, On the evening of that first day of the week, after the resurrection, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked, time out, I love this detail, every detail in scripture is on purpose. Why, were, why did they have the doors locked if Jesus was resurrected? Well, the truth is, they weren't still, they quite weren't sure that Jesus has resurrected. There was a rumor going around that the Pharisees started, the religious leaders, and they said that the disciples came in the night and stole Jesus' body away. So they were afraid for their life. They were freaking out. Because they haven't, first, all of them haven't had this experience with Christ yet. Look at this. The doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. But check this out, y'all. It's about to get good. Jesus came and he walked through the locked doors. And he stood among them. Am I the only one that thinks this is kind of funny? When I read scripture and you got these brothers hanging out in a circle and all of a sudden Jesus pops into the room. And then he says what I hope he would say to all of us and myself included. Peace be with you, like, shh, I know y'all freaking out right now because I just walked through a locked door, but hey, guys, calm down, it's me, it's me. I love this. This is how I read scripture, by the way. And so after he said this, he showed them his hands. He showed them his side. So the disciples, they were overjoyed when they saw the Lord again. And Jesus said one more time, hey, hey, peace, peace be with you. And then look at this, and here's what I don't want you to miss. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you and with that, don't miss this, he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And this is what I need you to see today: is that the moment the disciples saw God's resurrected Son, Jesus Christ in the flesh, in his glorified body, it was in that moment their sins were forgiven. They received the Holy Spirit. And they came into a relationship with God, the Father through Christ. And some of you' think, "Well, wait, wait a minute, hold on. The disciples were with Jesus right, for three years. And I would say, you're absolutely right, but Jesus Christ hadn't paid for sins yet. That's right. That's right. He hadn't gone to the cross. He hadn't shed his innocent blood to cover our sins. But it wasn't until Jesus died, it wasn't until Jesus was resurrected that their sins could be forgiven, that they could come into a relationship with God and receive the breath of God, the wind of God, the Holy Spirit. And I need you to understand this today because some people teach that you don't receive the Holy Spirit until you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Let me show you the same story now in Luke's account. Now, for anybody who may not be aware the New Testament starts out with four books. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In Christian circles, we call them the four gospels. What is gospel? It means the good news of Jesus Christ. Why are there four? Because these are four men who wrote different accounts and gave different perspectives to the same stories. So it's important that anytime you're reading a story in Matthew, you need to look at Mark, Luke, and John to see the other details of. The event. So let's look at what Luke captured in Luke 24, 36. This is while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them, came through a locked door, and said to them, Peace be with you. Same story, different detail. Remember John's account, he said Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Well, look at Luke's account, 24, 49. And notice the future tense. This is important. Jesus Christ then goes on to say, Guys, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay, in, but stay in the city until you have been clothed, some, some uh, translations say filled, with power from on high. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, hey guys, although I just breathed on you and you've received the Holy Spirit at salvation and believing by looking at the hands and, and the nail scars, right? You haven't been fully immersed in all the power that I have for you. There is more to the spiritual journey than just believing in me and receiving that salvation is what Christ is saying. Let me show you one more. Same story, book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and he gave many convincing proofs that Jesus was alive. Look at my hands, look at my side, look at the nail scars. Watch this. He appeared to them over a period, here's 40 days that I mentioned earlier, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus gave them this command. Look at this. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. And this is the same event, just another detail. Look at this. For John baptized with water, but in a few days. Again, notice the future tense. In other words, you haven't received everything I have for you just yet. But in a few days, you will be baptized, fully immersed into the Holy Spirit, the pneuma of God, the wind of God, the breath of God, the power of God. Right, What are you saying? I'm simply saying that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is simply another step in your spiritual journey in my spiritual journey and what i want to do today is encourage you to take that step now what i need you to understand today is that everything that god has for you is good so i need you to allow me a blank page everything god has for you is good look at james 1:17 every good and perfect gift is from above every good and perfect gift it comes down from the father of the heavenly lights who doesn't change like shifting shadows To which some of you are probably going, Rhett, are you saying the Holy Spirit is a gift? Well, in case you missed it, let's go back to Acts 1, 4 through 5, where Jesus said, guys, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the, there's the word, the gift that my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. And again, he says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will receive the gift. In a few days you will be baptized, you will be immersed into the wind, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit. And let's be honest, many of us in this life, we're looking for fulfillment. We're looking for the supernatural. Whether you want to admit it or not, you, my friend, are looking for something that feels good. I am too. And guess what? God made you that way on purpose. And God says, I've got what you've been looking for. I have it, but you can't do it the world's way. There's a better way. Look at this, Ephesians 5, 18. This is why God says, hey, guys, don't get drunk on wine. Time out, right? Are you saying God's picking on wine? No, I'm not saying God's picking on wine. He just used this as an example. He's saying, guys, don't get immersed in the things of the world. Why? Because it leads to reckless living. It leads to debauchery. It leads to hurt. It leads to pain. It leads to guilt, and it leads to shame. But instead, be filled with the breath of God. Be filled with the wind of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit produces everything that you've been looking for. Amen. The Holy Spirit produces everything you and I have been looking for. Look at Galatians 5, through 23. The Holy Spirit, it produces this kind of fruit. The wind of God, the breath of God produces this kind of fruit. Love. I don't know about you, but I could use a little bit of love. Am I the only one this morning? Joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness. This is what the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the wind of God, produces in our life gentleness and self control. But wait, there's more. Jesus said this in Acts 1 8. Jesus said, But you will receive power. Come on, everybody say power. 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 When? When what? When you're baptized in the breath of God. When you're baptized. And fully immersed in the wind of God. When you're baptized and fully immersed in what English translators call the Holy Spirit comes on you. Well, what does it give us power to do? Power to do what? Power to make a difference with your life. Power to live this thing out called Christianity. Power to do the things that you've been trying to do that have left you frustrated. And overwhelmed. And tired. And exhausted. Power to live out making a difference. Look at this. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. What is that basically saying? Guys, you will make a difference in the Treasure Valley right where you live. But not only that, you'll make a difference in Judea. What does that mean? It just means the state in which you live in, Idaho and Samaria. What does that represent? The nation in which you live. And not only that, you'll make a difference in the Treasure Valley here in Idaho, the nation, but to the ends of the earth. And my hope is today, my friends, you're saying, Pastor I want that power I want the power to live this thing out. I want to make a difference with my life. I want want to experience the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the goodness, the kindness, the self-control, the gentleness. So what's next? That's a great question to ask. Well, what's next? I'm going to give you three things. Write these down. Very practical. First is we, we need to just remove all our barriers. First is, when it comes to the Holy Spirit and the whole idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we have to remove the barriers. What is a barrier? A barrier is the thing that keeps you uh, from your best version of yourself. It's the thing that's holding you back. It could be doubt. It could be fear. It could be misperceptions, misconceptions. Whatever it might be, there's something in your life that's a barrier from keeping you from even wanting to take the step to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the greatest barrier that we see all throughout Scripture, the greatest barrier that every single one of us deal with, including myself, the greatest barrier is sin. And that's why Acts chapter 2, verse 38-39, through 39, Peter replied to a crowd, basically said, hey, when the crowd asked Peter, hey, what's next? How do we need to get our life right and come into a relationship with God and receive everything you're talking about? Peter said this, guys, repent, repent, repent. What does that mean? It means, hey, I know you're going this way, but now I just need you to turn directions and I need you to head this way. Repent, change directions, course, correct. And do what? Be baptized. He's referring to water baptism in that moment. But then he says, every one of you need to do this. Every one of you. Every, including the guy who's speaking to you today, every one of us in the name of Jesus Christ so we can receive the forgiveness of our sin. Why is this important? Well, Peter tells us because if you remove the barrier of sin, look at the rest of the verse, by turning to God, you will receive the gift, the good gift, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the self-control, the power that Jesus Christ was talking about. If you remove the barrier of sin, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, pastor Red, I mean, like, that was just for the disciples. Like, that's what, I mean, like, I've heard my pastor or other preachers teach, that was for then, not for now. Well, here's the problem with that, with that statement, is look at the rest of the verse. They obviously didn't read this part. Peter said, the promise is for you, the promise is for your children, and the promise is for all, that's you and I, who are far off, for all, he says it again, just to clarify, whom the Lord our God will call, call. But friends, God wants every single one of us to experience his best. God has more. He wants us to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what's next? Well, we remove the barrier, number two. Once we remove the barrier, I would encourage you to simply ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And so the best way I can do is just tell you my story. So when I was, many of you know, at the age of three, my parents got a divorce. I grew up in a broken home. At seven years old, my mom committed suicide. So there was a lot of hurt and pain wrapped around my life. So from seven to 16, man, I was desperate. I was looking for God in every way I could, but I just didn't know I was looking for God. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. I was looking for fulfillment. I was looking for things that made me feel good. I ended up there with pornography and sex in my life. That was my addiction. That was the thing that, that kind of tried to sink my life. But not only that, I started dabbling in just a, 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 a witchcraft. And I've not really, I don't think I've really even shared that part of the story. But I, I would deal in like a Ouija boards and trying to talk to dead people in the woods with friends with candles lit, like the whole like horror movie thing. I did. Why? Because I was hungry. I was just looking in all the wrong places. Until one of my best friends invited me to a church much like One Life Church. And in that moment, I couldn't express it, but there were people just like you raising your hands, lifting their hands, looking like there was freedom, there was joy, there was love. People were actually kind to me when I walked in the door. And I was like, I don't know about all this, but I want to know everything I can about all of this. Because I think this is what I've been looking for. And so I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, put my faith in him. And then my pastor said, now I want you to know there's more to God than just receiving salvation. Like that's important. And if that's the only decision you make, you're going to heaven. Life's gonna be good, but there's more. There's more for you to experience. There's power that God wants to give you and he wants to immerse you in if you'll just simply receive it. And I'm telling you, I've been through so much pain in my life. I was like, hey, if the Bible says it, I'm all in. God, I want everything you have for me. And if there's this immersion experience of being baptized into the wind or the breath of God or however you want to try to describe it, you call it the Holy Spirit. God, I want that. And in that moment, I can't even try to describe to you the liquid love that it felt in my soul. It's like the first time I could breathe. It's like chains began to fall in my life. And I began to experience freedom. I can't explain. That's the best way that I could explain it. Nothing weird, nothing goofy, nothing spooky, nothing, you know, crazy like happened to me. And listen, that may not be your experience, but what I am trying to tell you today is that if you would just be so genuinely come to the place and go, you know what, God, I've tried everything else. God, I just, I want all of you. God will do something in your spirit that will bring freedom to your life. And it's unlike anything you've ever experienced before. And it will give you the power to live out this Christian life that God's called you to live. It's amazing. And I just want to encourage you today. Ask God. Ask God. Ask God. Every good gift comes from God. And ask Him. Trust Him with it. Look, Jesus said, a reminder, Luke 11, 13. Guys, if you then know you're evil, you know how to give good gifts to your own children. How much more will your Father in Heaven give? Look at this. The Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the wind of God, the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. He loves you. He's got good things in store. And the third thing is after we remove the barrier of sin, after we just simply come to the place of asking God to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Number three, it's not just simply receive it. Receive the Holy Spirit by faith. What's faith? Faith. Faith is just having 100% confidence and trust in the fact that God's got you. Faith makes God happy. In fact, God loves faith. It moves him. Look at this. We see this in Hebrews 11:6. Guys without faith, without this 100% assurance in God, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to make a difference with your life. Why? Because anyone who comes to God, you must believe. You've got to have this trust in Him in the fact that what? He exists and that He gives good gifts. In other words, that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. I've been serving the Lord for 27 years. Ever since I was 16, my life hasn't been perfect. But what I have learned is that if you want everything that God has for you, you got to get a little bit uncomfortable or comfortable, I should say, with the uncomfortable. If you want to experience all that God has for you, you've got to get out of your mind and get into your heart. And you got to get to the place where you're comfortable with the unfamiliar, where you're comfortable with the unknown. And can I just tell you this? There was nothing comfortable about my wife and I moving 2,300 miles away from everything we've ever known, friends, family, finances, everything, safety, security, friendships, to move to Idaho to plant this church. There was nothing comfortable about it. And I'm not saying today that you're going to feel like God's calling you to plant a church. That may not be your next step. In fact, it probably isn't. But what I am telling you today is that I know for 100% fact that God's asking you to take a step. God's asking you to take a step toward him and all that God has for you. And so I was trying to think of a way that I could close this service and I was reminded of a verse that comes out of Ezekiel and I wanna do my best. I think it beautifully describes kind of the spiritual journey and gives us this beautiful picture of what I'm trying to share with you today. Look at this, Ezekiel 47, three through five. Ezekiel says, as the man, he's referring to an angel of the Lord. He says, as this angel of the Lord or this man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. And then he led Ezekiel on what is a spiritual journey. He said, I led him through water, or I was led through water that was, look at this, ankle deep. And some of you, that's where you are today, man. Like if you're being honest, it's like I got my toe in the water. I love God. I've received salvation. I'm going to heaven. My ankle's in. It's good. Comfortable with that. But I'm just here to tell you Just like the angel of the Lord that took Ezekiel on a journey, there's more than just ankle deep. There's more to just salvation. Look at this. So he went on, he measured off another thousand cubits. And Ezekiel said, he led me through water that all of a sudden became knee deep. Some of you, when you first started coming to this church, you saw people raising your hands. You're like, woo, this is crazy. I ain't ever doing that. But you've been coming for a while. You kind of went from ankle you come into a little bit knee deep and then by the time that third song comes, maybe it's just like a, like how you doing? Like you're looking at somebody up there, but you're really just putting your hand up kind of getting a little bit comfortable and go, hey, that's not that bad. Some of you have gotten to the place now where you're just, God, I'm I'm knee deep in my relationship. I'm experiencing more now because I'm going a little bit further. Stepping out a little bit more. But guess what? God has more. Look at this, he measured off another thousand and he led Ezekiel through water that now was up to his waist. Now notice that out of all these three, he's still wet, but yet he's still in control. Why? Because his feet are still touching the ground. He still got control. And so, but the angel of the Lord went on to say he measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross. In other words, now <laughs> Ezekiel's thinking to himself, man, brother, if I go all in, I'm not, ki- I'm not quite sure where this river is going to take me because I'm no longer going to have control over my own life at this point. I'm going all in. I'm surrendering everything to the current that is the river. I'm going to take a next step. I'll lose control. Why? Why? Why does he think that? Well, look at the rest of the verse. Because the water now had risen and was deep enough to swim in. In other words, now he had the ability to be fully immersed. It was a river that no one could cross. In other words, now if I go all in, like I said earlier, like there's, I no longer have control of my life. Now I'm going where the Spirit of God leads me. And here's the question that many of us ask. Is like, well, if I get baptized with the Holy Spirit, where's that river going to take me? What's going to happen if I lose control? Check this out. Ezekiel 47 9 don't miss this it all ends up to this point this is what it's all about it's that your life will flourish wherever this water flows your marriage your home your finances your career your relationships every area of your life will flourish where this river flows and it all begins with a single step and it begins with a relationship with God Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around all across this room. Some of you are here today and you're far from God. And you know it. You know you need to surrender your life to Jesus. You need to repent, change directions, and receive eternal life. And I want to encourage you good news today. You are one heartfelt prayer away from receiving that today. And I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But if you're here today and you know, Pastor Ritt, that's me. I want to come into a relationship with God. I want to repent of my sins. And I want to begin the first step of my spiritual journey with God. If that's you, could you you just be so bold just to raise your hand all across this room? Nobody's looking around. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. If that's you, God bless you. Just put your hand up just for a minute. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. God bless you. You can put your hands down. But everybody just, if you're comfortable enough just to say this prayer out loud, just mean it with all your heart and say, Jesus, I receive what you've done for me. Forgive me, change me, come live on the inside of me. I believe you died and rose again. I believe you paid for my sin. Today, I declare you as my Lord, my savior. I put my faith, I put my trust in you. I give you my life. I give you everything. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, Many of you in this room, you've already said that prayer, you're walking in a relationship with God, but there are many of you in this room, you've received the Holy Spirit at salvation, but you've not been immersed into all that God has for you. And I would just encourage you in this moment, every head bowed, every eye closed, nothing goofy is gonna happen, I promise. But if you're comfortable enough to go, you know what, although I may not understand, something in my heart says, I just wanna receive all that God has for me because I need it. I need his power. I need his love. I need everything that he wants to give me so that I can live my life and be blessed in all that I do so if that's you today and you'd like to receive just the baptism of the Holy Spirit, can I encourage you right where you are every head bowed, every eye closed, just maybe to simply put your hands out in front of you like in a receiving position and it's the heart that matters when you say this prayer, I would encourage you to say this prayer if that's you today, just say God today I want to receive all that you have for me I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Breathe in me the breath of God. I receive it now by faith. I receive it now to make a difference in my life, in my family, and in this world, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. Hey, can we throw our hands together this morning and celebrate with all the life change that's happening right now all across this room? Awesome.